But one point in my walk with the Lord, I had, I had so much free time on my hands that I was just reading. I would just, part of my, my reading was five psalms a day. So I'd read all 150 psalms in about 30 days. And uh, as, as many psalms have a lot of meaning to me and, and a lot of testimonial power in my life. Psalm 107, you know, I've, I've read Psalm 107 maybe 50 times and probably about 70 now, over, you know, 20 times over this past week. You know, it has taught me how to pray, how to give thanksgiving in all things, all situations, how to treat others, how to petition God, among many other things. So when I was asked to, to preach on Psalms and just pick, pick a Psalm, I was asking God which Psalm to speak about. And it was, it was very evident that I should speak on Psalm 107. And this Psalm 107 kickstarts off the fifth book within, there's five books within Psalms. Uh, Psalms 107 to 150 reminds us, reminds God's people to live a faithful and obedient life towards God. Praising God's works, recounting his blessings of righteous living, thankfulness for deliverance, praising God for his everlasting word. And Psalm 107 in particular is speaking to four types of people, the wanderers, the prisoners, the sick, and the storm-tossed, and how God had redeemed them all. Psalm 107 is a celebration of the Jews' return from their exile to Babylon, a celebration of restoration after they disobeyed God and ignored his covenant, and they were taken captive by King Nebuchadnezzar. Verses 1 and 2 says, Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so, whom he has redeemed from trouble. As I was studying Psalm uh, 107, I came across this devotion I'd like to share, and it's, it's specifically on the beginning part of verse 2, let the redeemed, let us of the Lord say so, redeemed. It's this concept of something starting out good, becoming corrupt or broken, then being bought back. It demonstrates a really unique love because the purchase happens after the point of corruption. But in God's kingdom, the price is paid in full. Redemption can also mean freedom from oppression. A slave who was bought and then set free by the purchaser would have been considered to be redeemed. The Christian community throws this word around like confetti. But I wonder if we are collectively watering it down. I see it a lot in the context of my circumstances were hard for a while, but now they're better. God has redeemed my story. God is certainly in the business of redemption, and he deserves all the praise and the honor and the glory. However, what if someone's circumstances don't get better? What if the wishes don't get granted and the desires go unmet? Does that make God less redemptive? Does it make him less good? Does, redemptive, or does redemption equal healing? Does it mean a healthy marriage or steady income or ease and comfort? Is God's redemption reserved only for the prosperous? No. Your story isn't redeemed when circumstances start to shift in your favor. It's redeemed at the moment of your surrender. It's redeemed in the moment of your surrender. Everything in the Bible points us to this picture of a holy God loving a broken people, a righteous father loving his rebellious children, a faithful groom pursuing his unfaithful bride. The broken people are not redeemed when they are whole again. 
They are redeemed in their brokenness. The rebellious children are not redeemed once they start obeying. They are redeemed in their rebellion. The unfaithful bride is not redeemed once she is faithful again. She is redeemed in her adultery. Love is natural to give when it's earned and reciprocated, but love is divine when it's poured out freely and unconditionally, asking nothing in return to someone who doesn't deserve it one bit. That's redemptive love. That's Jesus. God gave his son paying the higher price to buy back his broken, sinful people out of love. God's love meets us exactly where we're at. He wants us He wants us just as we are, every wound, every blemish, every anger, every hurt, but we have to surrender. And that's when our story is redeemed. The writer speaks about, losing Carrie broke me, but my name is his, my children are his, my heart was his, my soul feels entangled with his, so losing him was nothing less than faith-shaking heartbreak. But God's love but God loves me with a redemptive love, a pursuing love. In my lowest, most shattered state, God indeed sees my highest worth and greatest potential. But he wants me now. He wants a broken down, chewed up, and spit out me. And while he already redeemed my soul with the blood of Jesus, when I chose to continuously surrender, there it is again, when I chose to continuously surrender, he also redeems my wounded heart with his presence, his comfort. He redeems my heart with his peace. That, passes, that surpasses all understanding with his promise for a f- future glory and eternity with him. I'm God's fully. Whatever my story may look, look like, whatever circumstances may come, my identity is Christ. My name is beloved and my children are heirs to the kingdom. His spirit lives in my heart and his words rest in my hands. Not because I am worthy of deserving, but simply because he loves me. My soul is saved. My heart is redeemed. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Declaring the fact that truly living in God's presence will radiate out to others when you surrender. There's, when there is no shame walking with Christ, you are ready at, at the moment in time to speak about Christ, praying for opportunities to speak about the Lord throughout your day, when it doesn't feel like a chore to talk about your faith, but rather you are waiting, watching, and yearning to speak about Christ. Acts 1.8 says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come to you and you will be my witness in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. God has done so much for us. There is so much to thank him for, but how often do we sit back and actually thank him? How often do we sit back and think about the providence over over our lives and the way that he has personally dealt with us and those around us? You know, thinking of, of your personal walk, your marriage, your children, your, your employment, your salvation. Think about before you were saved and where you were at, where you were headed. Think about your personal growth from a year ago until today. Maybe you're feeling stagnant and there, and there hasn't been any growth. Maybe we just need to start thanking God for what, what, is, what he has done for you. About the promises that are in the Bible and what we know he will do for us. How about thanking God for freedom for reading his word? I mean, how many Christians and brothers and sisters who don't have freedom to read the word? That's going on right now. It's going on in Afghanistan right today, North Korea and other countries where they cannot corporately gather and worship and read the word of God. 
That's one thing we can be thankful for. It's no mistake that we're living in Delaware right now. We're able to gather here, wake up, read our Bible, go home, read our Bible, sit at a coffee shop, read our Bible with others and fellowship. Be still and know that I am God, says Psalm 46.10. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. I'm going to do a short little challenge right here, right now. And this, this came from a challenge that was presented to me years ago that just has never lost, lost the memory from me. You know, as I was an ornery, hard-headed, angry, stubborn, young Christian, when I say young, 27, 28 years old, just getting to know who the Lord and who he was. And um, I had this, this prison minister would come in. His name was Pastor Joe, still in contact today. And I was asking him how to pray. And he said, you just, he, he said, boy, you just need to go back to your cell and shut up and pray. And I was like, whoa, what are you talking about? He said, just get on your knees and shut up and just be quiet. Just be still and know that God is who he is. 60 seconds he challenged me to do this. 60 seconds. You know, I'm sure everybody knows this. There's, you know, 1,440 minutes of the day, 3,600 seconds in an hour, and 86,400 seconds in a day. Do you think you can just, I'm gonna do this right now. I'm gonna time this. There's 60 seconds. Just from what we've talked about today is there you could maybe, maybe take 30 of those seconds and start thanking God and maybe 30 more seconds just and just see what kind of thoughts come over you. Three, two, and go. seconds. Does that feel like a long time? Try doing that for a half hour. Try doing that for five minutes. Can we find time in our busy schedules to take five minutes of our day and thank God for what he's done, looking back over our life, thanking him for the body he's put us in, maybe thanking him for the, the employment that he has you in. God knows exactly where you are right now. And this, this is just, you know, boiling down theology. There's a purpose. And God does everything for us for a reason. And so often do we just forget to just, just dumb it down, just be simple, and just thank God for who he is and what he's done in our life. So as we... Uh, it's 11.47 here. I'm going to just go over some, 
some key spots over Psalm 107 and, and put it together a little bit in a, a little bit of a faster way than I had planned, but it'll work out all right. So if you have your Bibles out and you, we look at the section 4 to 9, and it's talking about wanderers. Now I want you to go down to verse 7 where it says, He led them by a straight way till they reached a city wall. Right before that, in verse 6, they cried, they cried to the Lord in their trouble, and he delivered them from their distress. But in verse 5, it wasn't until they were hungry, thirsty, their soul fainted within them, that they finally cried out. And it was right at that time of desperation when they cried out that the Lord stepped in and delivered them. And then it says, and then he led them by a straight way. And then down in verse 9, he satisfies their longing soul and the hungry soul, and he fills them with good things. Verses 10 through 16. Some sat in darkness in the shadow of death, prisoners in affliction and in irons. Obviously, this, these, this 10 to 16 just hits, hits home for me. That was me. I was sitting in darkness. I was a prisoner. I, wasn't, I was a prisoner in irons. I had rebelled against the words of God. I remember there was times where I was... I, I knew what I was doing. I, I, I knew what I was doing was wrong before I got arrested. I was just trying to fill this void in my life, drinking, you know, criminal lifestyle, had all the money, nothing was keeping me happy. I knew that I knew that I knew something was wrong. But it wasn't until I would be close to blacked out drunk that I would literally pray to God. And I would have friends telling me, man, you were, got so drunk last night, you were praying to God. We you know what was going on with you. It's because deep down within me, I needed a way out, and I didn't know how to get out. And it was in those times of desperation that God already had a plan, and he had a way. He had made a way out, and it, I feel like it was just these 10 verses. I was in darkness. I had broken the law. I had no one to help. I cried out to the Lord, and he delivered me. And his way of deliverance was putting me in prison. And then he brought me out of darkness internally while I was in prison. My internal darkness had been lifted, but that didn't mean I was getting off scot-free. I still had to deal with the consequences of my actions. God had a plan. He was grooming me. He was molding me. He was teaching me. It was my school. It was my preparation, my Bible college, if you will, right there in a prison. I had never felt better internally. I was facing the worst external circumstances of my life. But I was living Psalm 15. I was thanking the Lord every day. I was thanking him for my orange jumpsuit, for my prison block wall, for the three terrible meals they were feeding me every day, trying to do zero complaining. They took all control from me. My doors were locked. I had to wake up when they told me to, go to work when they wanted me to, everything. Just thanking the Lord for that and thinking and, and preaching about this Man, we could take a group from a third world country and put them in this prison for the rest of their life. Give them food, give them shelter, give them water, give them work, give them purpose, and they would, they would stay right here. And then verse 16, he, he did do this for me. There is, he shattered the doors of bronze and cut into the bars of iron. There is just no rhyme or reason on paper I should be standing in front of you today. 
just shouldn't, shouldn't be. And if you look at all the, the guidelines of a federal government and the way they come up, you know, it was 40 years I was praying to God. It came down to 18 to 22 years. I said, I'll take it. Then the prosecutor said, we'll, we'll give you 15 years. Let's go. I'll sign me up. I'm ready. That just must be God's purpose for my life. And then I almost fainted, literally, when I did not hire a lawyer for Delaware's largest marijuana case, organized crime, and, and I got six years. I did not hire a lawyer. I just pled guilty, and I was thanking God. There's nothing short of a miracle. God knew exactly what was going to happen. I was praying to him, you know, Romans 13, 1, he's in control of the government. Okay, God, I'm not going to get a lawyer. You are in control. You're in control of the government. You speak through the government. I'm trusting that that's what's going to happen. And whatever amount of time that you give me, whether it's a life, 40, 20 years, I'm going to thank you and praise you for that because, because that's what you have in store, not what must be best for me. So you move down to verses 17 through 17 through, um, let's see, 22 here. They loathed any kind of food, and they drew near to the gates of death. Then they cried to the Lord in trouble, and he delivered them from their distress. Now listen to this. He sent out his word and healed them and delivered them from their destruction. And then they thanked the Lord for his steadfast love and his wondrous works to men. If you go down to verses 23 to 32, it says, Some went down to the seas and ships doing business on the great waters. They saw the deeds of the Lord, his wondrous works in the deep. He commanded and raised the stormy wind, which lifted up the waves of the sea. They mounted up to heaven, and they went down to the depths. Their courage melted away in their evil plight. They reeled and staggered like drunken men and were at their wit's end. To me, this is just saying, you know, they're walking around the ship. There's huge waves coming everywhere. The current's wild. And all their knowledge and, and way of navigation that they knew at their time just went out the window. Their wit's end. They were at their wit's end. They were walking around the ship. They couldn't control their legs. They didn't know what else to do. They were depending on their own knowledge to get them through the storm. So what did they do? Then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble, and he delivered them from their distress. And look what it says in 29. He made the storm be still, and the waves of the sea were hushed. Then they were glad that the waters were quiet, and he brought them to their desired haven. Let them thank the Lord for his steadfast love, for his wondrous works to the children of man. How many times in our lives, and I know I've, this happens to me often, where I think I have it all figured out. Everyone in here has probably had a situation like this. You just think you have it all figured out. Could be at work, home, maybe you're working on your car, who knows? And you just forgot to give that, that issue to, to the Lord and help God, you know, ask God to help you through the situation. And then we become at our wit's end. That's happened to me many a times over just this past year. Even with simple things, like trying to fix my car, trying to fix a flat tire, and I'm getting frustrated. I might be yelling at these guys and they, they didn't even do anything. It's just me getting frustrated because I'm not saying, hey, God, help me get, fix this flat tire right now. These guys know what I'm talking about. <laughs> so I challenge you this week, A, to be still and know that God is who he says he is.
I challenge you to, to thank God for what's going on in your life, what's going on in your past, for salvation, you know, for your, for your marriage, your children, whatever the case may be, your life, and then being still and asking God, hey, speak to me. Help me to be quiet and listen to you. And, and what purpose do you have for me right now? And to go over 107 again, as I have, I probably have about 30 more minutes of preaching here, but I'm going to finish. But go back over and look at the, the wanderers in section 4, verses 4 through 9, the prisoners in section, uh, verses 10 through 16, the sick in 17 to 20, and the storm-tossed in 23 to 32. And then even in later on from verses 33, how God is in control of nature. I'll just touch on that really quickly. It says, and there he turns a desert into pools of water, a fruitful land into a salty waste. He turns rivers into a desert. So God is in control of the land. He's in control of the ministries, of the church. But we just have to give it to him and surrender and be ready. We are the redeemed saying so. I like to put out there, uh, where's Gary? <laughs> Putting you on blast, Gary. Raise your hand. So Gary, this is awesome. So Gary comes to the gym now every day to the CrossFit gym. And I'm pretty sure Gary and I are the only two folks that know Jesus in that gym. And Oftentimes, you know, it's just like be ready in season and out of season. At any point in time, being around all these worldly people, getting fit, we don't know when a conversation is going to come up. And often those conversations come, come after the workout, after everyone's feeling good, you know, their juices are flowing, they just worked out, they're ready to go for the day, and they're, they're more vulnerable and open to talk. And Gary and I have engaged with a few members within that gym. Thanks, Gary. <laughs> so lastly, in verse 43, he says, Whoever is wise, let him attend to these things. Let them consider the steadfast love of the Lord. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for your unconditional love and meeting us exactly where we're at in life meeting us in our rebellion, our disobedience, wherever it is we are at in our life, or wherever it was that we were, Lord, you met us exactly where we were at. You didn't wait for us to meet some type of standard. You just loved us right in our sin. You loved us in our corruption. Loved us enough to reshape us and remold us and give us life, redeeming us, Lord. I thank you for this body. Thank you that we've all met, Lord. And I ask that you continue to work through all the missions in this church, that we are touching multitudes throughout the United States and countries abroad, and that you give us the boldness. And I thank you for this prayer team here, the prayer warrior team that means so much. Everything starts with a prayer, Father. Everything starts with an ask to you. In Jesus' name, amen.